welcome to the second episode of the Small Talk podcast. Okay, before we get into chatting motorsport, because it's Formula One race week, we have a Grand Prix in literally a couple of days, which is so exciting. But I have recorded a podcast already, which was intended to be the second episode. And it was all about like a post pre-season testing review and a little bit of Formula E chatter. And I recorded it. I'll be honest with you, I recorded it twice because I wasn't happy with the first take. And then when it came to the editing process, I was like, oh, actually, I I quite like that bit I said in the first take, but I preferred the end light part in the second take. And so I was chopping up all of this audio and it took a freaking age. And I got pretty much like 80% of the way through it. And then Monday and Tuesday happened and I was so busy that I literally didn't have time to edit it. And so I've kind of given it up as a bad job. But um, just imagine that I did this like really good pre-season like hype piece and you guys all enjoyed it because the truth is it will probably never see the light of day as well as chopping up the audios. I also was editing it like seriously (laughs) to a serious standard in the fact that I would take out any bits where I dared to have take a breath. And I was like, what am I doing? People breathe, okay? People breathe a lot of the time. And sometimes when you're really, I don't know, passionate about something, especially me, when I have my rants, I can go for time without taking a breath. So at the end of the point, I will have quite a loud audible gasp for air. And it got to the point where in the editing process, I was literally chopping out every time you could hear me breathe. And I'm sorry, guys, but (laughs) that's not going to really work long term. It's not sustainable. So if you have a problem with hearing people occasionally breathe, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But I said that I wanted to keep it sort of original and raw and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be kinder to myself in the editing process. And hopefully that sounds okay. On a much more positive note, I haven't actually had a chance to say thank you to everybody that has listened to this podcast so far. Honestly, the amount of support that you showed me for the first episode that was released on Friday, it's mind blowing. Like I can't, for some that writes for a living it's strange because I can't quite put into words just how taken aback I am by the amount of you that shared pictures of you listening to it on your Instagram story or left me a review or just listened or subscribed to the podcast it's just been amazing I'm not kidding you when I say that when I released the podcast on Friday it was the kind of thing that I thought maybe 30 or so people would listen to and that would be friends and that would be family and the kind of thing that my mum would listen to like four or five times for moral support that that's the kind of vibe that I I thought was going to happen but Uh, I was very much mistaken. Anyway, all of your support means the world and just thank you from the bottom of my heart um, for for showing support to this new project. I really, I don't have much clue of where it's going to go. I'll be completely honest with you. I went out last night actually with some people you might be familiar with, uh, Matt and Tommy from the now famous P1 podcast. And we were chatting about our podcast and they were like, "What's, what's the plan for yours then? And I was like, genuinely lads, I haven't got a clue. There's no structure to what I want to do. All I know is that for the moment, I really like this format of it being like a voice note, just my voice on it and not having guests. But obviously there's the Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend and most people that have a Formula One podcast will do some sort of race review. Unless there's like a huge storyline from the first race, I don't know if I'm going to want to do the same kind of thing because I want to be doing stuff that's slightly different and stands out from the crowd. So I'm yet to decide 
how this is going to work going forward but I feel like if there are stories or things that interest me or I just have some time and I want to check in with you that's the kind of vibe it's going to be and we can talk about motorsport news we can talk about updates to the FIA regulations in Formula One which is a podcast that I do kind of want to do before the season gets underway all of like the changes that maybe people should be paying attention to in the new uh, sporting regulations because I'm one of those saddos that really likes that kind of stuff but anyway we haven't even started talking about motorsport yet but hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast and so with that let's put on the kettle and chat about motorsport I hope you enjoyed that little sound bite that I made. I was chatting to some of my friends, Harry and Rob, and they said that the podcast is missing the sound of you making a cup of tea. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I sat there with my microphone next to my kettle, like some sort of sound guy, and chopped that together. So hopefully it sounds like somebody making a cup of tea and not just like really random clanging and tinkering noises. But anyway, motorsport. F1 is back this week and I'm really excited. I mean, from the pre-season coverage, obviously pre-season testing is not going to be completely representative of what we're going to see when the cars hit the track for the Grand Prix on Sunday. I think Zhou Guan Yu was fastest on day two. And don't get me wrong, I would be buzzing if Alfa Romeo came out and was super quick, but Zhou was on the C5 tyre and I don't think, ready for this to be clipped, but it's going to be an insane year for Alfa Romeo, as disappointing as that might be because I was saying in this previous podcast and I've got to be careful because I don't want to say in the last podcast when that never ever got released and it's only in my little pea brain but um, I was saying that Valtteri Bottas he is very quickly becoming now my favourite driver on the grid and to be honest with you guys the qualifications for being my favourite driver pretty low like the standard is low all you have to do is show a bit of personality and I'll be like yep you're my fave, you're my number one. All it took is for Valtteri Bottas to get a mullet and a moustache and I was like, oh my God, this man, he's an icon living, I love him. So I don't know, this is a a public service announcement to the other drivers on the grid. If you want some fan loving, get a mullet, get some wacky facial hair, do something. Alex Alban, I feel like he's bleached his hair blonde, which I'm loving that look, by the way. I feel like if if somebody's going to do something wacky, he's going to be the next person to do something crazy with his hair. I don't know what, but um, maybe he can sort of have some funky design dyed into his hair. I don't know where this is going. Let's just change change the subject, Katie. Come on. One thing that people have taken away from pre-season testing is that McLaren look like they're really struggling. The car that they've sort of provided for the first few races, they've like openly come out and said that they're not too happy about it. Will Buxton made a comment on something I was watching on the F1 YouTube channel that he saw Lando Norris punch a wall or something like that, which I don't know if that's true, but obviously that McLaren is not to their liking. But then if you can rewind back a year, pre-season testing was a bit of a bumpy ride for them. Obviously, no pun intended with the porpoising, but a bit of a a rocky start. They had issues with their brakes, if I remember correctly. And uh, then Lando Norris managed to be the only driver outside of the top three to get a podium all year. So, you know, just because you're starting in not the right way doesn't mean that it's going to be like that for the entire season like the level of development and progression in this championship is sometimes absolutely staggering so yeah we'll have to wait and see how McLaren get on but obviously with Lando and Oscar Piastri making his debut this year there's going to be a lot of eyes on that team so we'll have to wait and see how they get on. 
this podcast is going to be so unhinged because there's no real order of which I'm talking about these teams and these drivers. The next thing that comes to mind is Haas. And the biggest takeaway for me from testing was Haas's new teeny weeny pit wall. They've got the three person pit wall, which is apparently saving them 250k a year, which fair enough, that's like a, a lot of money. Might not sound much when you think about how expensive Formula One is as a sport, but you know, that'll be a, a new front wing for when Kevin Magnussen inevitably loses an end plate on the first lap of a Grand Prix. So every little helps as the saying goes I think isn't that Tesco saying or something but anyway yeah Haas don't know how well they're gonna get on you'll notice there's a theme with that throughout the whole of this podcast they've got their lineup of Kevin Magnussen who is he said he's still struggling a little bit with his hand he had uh, some surgery on it in like January time so in the winter break um, meant that he couldn't do I think it was Daytona some sort of endurance racing and he said that his hands maybe not still 100% so that's perhaps something to look out for but um, I'm sure that he's been sort of having a lot of therapy on it but I'm sure that he'll be absolutely fine and then we have Nico Hulkenberg making his return to Formula one for honestly it feels like the 15th time but obviously it's it's not but nico is back and i'm i'm thinking that it's going to be similar to sort of kevin's situation last year where in the first few races i think that nico is going to really go for it because he's got this opportunity he's going to grab it with both hands and so i think in the first few races we're going to see nico beating kevin whether that is how the season will continue to go remains to be seen but uh, I'm certainly excited to see how Nico gets on in these first few races watch him now push his car to the limit and bin it and in Bahrain but we'll have to (laughs) have to see how that all works out another team which has got a lot of hype around it going into the season is Aston Martin Now, I was super impressed with the performances they were putting in during preseason testing. Fernando Alonso is a man who seems to be living his best life at the moment. However, that's often the case when he joins a new team. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know what happened to my voice there. Clearly getting choked up talking about Fernando Alonso. Uh, But he always seems to be looking like he's living his best life. He's like, you know, that um, meme template of Nicole Kidman once her divorce is finalised from Tom cruise and she's like leaving the courtroom and she's jumping for joy and like happy free all that kind of thing if you don't know what i'm talking about look up like nicole kipman meme or something but fernando alonso always gives off those vibes when he's left a team because the team that he's normally left has been on bad terms and he's burnt bridges and so he's trying to be like newly single showing his ex what they're missing they're the kind of vibes i get from fernando alonso but let the man live he's having a great time he's making all these tiktok edits i honestly i cannot stop thinking about the one that they got him to do which is like the Patrick Bateman Sigma male I think is the the wording that is just perfection that's the kind of thing that I will be thinking about on my deathbed I'm not gonna lie to you but yeah Fernando was seemed pretty happy in that Aston Martin and it looks quick their tire management as well it was reported as being really good which is completely the opposite to Ferrari who once again seemed to be talking about issues with tire degradation I don't know what it is with Ferrari and tire deg but they just it's like the two things that just like you can't have one without the other 
But back to Aston Martin, they look super quick. There was some like murmurs that apparently Mercedes are a bit scared because obviously Aston Martin have got the Mercedes PU in the back and there are concerns that maybe Aston Martin will be quicker than the actual supplier. So having a customer team quicker than the supplier is obviously not going to reflect well on Mercedes, but it remains to be seen. From this, I keep mentioning, but there was this F1 post pre-season testing review on YouTube and Will Buxton was saying that he thinks they're going to finish third in the championship this year, which is maybe a bit of an overestimate but I think that they're going to be looking to maybe get that P5 slot. And then for Bahrain, we've got this issue about Lance Stroll. At the time of recording, it's still not being confirmed if he can race or not, but I'm guessing that if he's not in Bahrain now, what is it, it's nearly midday on Wednesday, then it's probably quite likely that he's not going to race because he's got to get himself over to Bahrain, get himself settled and, you know, familiar and on the time zone. But I was thinking the other day there were these rumors that have now been shut down that Sebastian Vettel could come back if Lance can't race like I said that's now been rubbished by Mike Crack my favorite team principal just what a name um but my boy Mike said that that's not going to happen, which is, I think, the right decision. I know a lot of people are going mad at the idea that we could get Seb and Fernando in the same team together. And don't get me wrong, like, that's the stuff of dreams. It would be unbelievable. But I don't know. I just, I I don't know Seb personally. Obviously, this is just an assumption. But I feel like Seb would be a little bit too proud to come back for the first race after he's retired. I know that he jokes about potentially coming back for races at Suzuka because he loves that circuit so much. But I don't know. I feel like if Seb you know, organised all of this massive fun run that he had in Abu Dhabi. He managed to finish the race in the points. He got these celebratory donuts. He got this whole celebration made about him leaving the championship that if he then turned around the first race back, literally the first race after the Abu Dhabi finale, to be like, hi guys, uh, back again, miss me, all that kind of thing. I don't know, I just feel like he he wouldn't put himself through that. Plus, Aston Martin have got a pool of reserve drivers that they need to use. And I don't know, I feel like it would be a little bit of a Mickey take if they've got Felipe Dragovic and they've got Stoffel Van Dorn and, you know, the extra pool of people that they're allowed to use and pick and choose from across the grid. If they suddenly went, actually, no, we're going to pick this guy out of retirement who literally just left like three months ago. We're going to bring him back for a couple of races. People made comments about the fact that why did Hasp decide to sign Nico Hulkenberg when there's junior talent available it for me it kind of is sort of similar to that like why would you go and bring somebody out of retirement when there's a really good F2 reigning F2 champion sat there who's just done testing for you and why would you not use him and utilize him so I'm I I hope that Lance is okay but it would always be nice to see I'm always like team somebody getting a new opportunity and getting a chance to show what they're made of um I hope Lance is all right though I don't understand like obviously they've kept quite tight-lipped about what's happened to him and the condition that he is in. It's funny, maybe funny is the wrong word, but in the announcement it said that being a minor accident, which is fine, you know, don't want to cause any big mass panic. But at the same time, there are now reports going around that he's broken both of his wrists. And I'm like, well, they kind of don't correlate very well because you can't break both your wrists and call it a minor accident. Like I would say that's quite a major inconvenience if you've broken both your wrists and you drive Formula One cars for a living, but we'll we'll have to see how Lance gets on 
on and his condition. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it's none, none of our business really. So um, I just hope that he is able to rest and get ready to, to be back on track because I'm really interested to see that partnership of Fernando and Lance. Um, obviously, Fernando now saying that he thinks Lance is a future world champion in the making, which is certainly an interesting take. But got to remember, Lance's dad is paying the bills. So if I was Fernando Alonso, I would be saying all of the best things about Lance in order to get my Christmas bonus. I've done this in such a weird order. Red Bull seem to be super competitive. That's just a given. Well done, Max Verstappen, on your third consecutive championship victory. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we said this at the start of last season, right? And then we got to Bahrain and both cars DNF'd. So we'll have to, guess what? Wait and see. Gosh, sorry, I sound like a broken record. But this is a problem doing a pre-season evaluation piece is that you make all of these predictions, but because it's testing and it's not entirely representative, it might not come true. So anyway, but Red Bull from the early stages look really strong. Uh, Ferrari, same kind of thing. Look good like I say the tire deck issues there have been some murmurings that that could be a problem again we've got Fred Vasseur there he's doing his first proper season with the Ferrari team he seems to be in high spirits at the moment I'm really looking forward to seeing how that role for him blossoms uh, over the next year quite interesting listening to him chat to I think it was Laura Winter over the preseason testing stuff that he was saying that like he never imagined that he'd be able to have this role in Ferrari uh, he said you know kind of where he was working at the time was where he saw his future going so when he was doing karting he kind of only ever saw his future being in karting and then when he moved up to say like f3 f2 never imagined going into f1 for example and then when he was in f1 he didn't imagine you know and you get the idea so it's quite a nice little arc of how his career has progressed but yeah we'll have to see because being the ferrari team principal there is so much pressure on you both in terms of the fans in terms of the ferrari name itself obviously it's so prestigious and historic it's going to be a lot of pressure for Fred but he seems to be handling things in the right way so far he's got a, like a good sense of humor but he can also be quite blunt which I really like well done and good luck to Fred Mercedes have delivered a beautiful looking car and a car that doesn't seem to be having as many porpoising issues as last year honestly I cannot wait for the day that the term porpoising is not as used as much in an F1 fan's vocabulary I see the word porpoising in my sleep now because of the amount of times it was mentioned in 2022 but the car seems to be more competitive I'm not saying it's going to be winning a million races this year I mean that would be an achievement in itself seeing as we only have a 23 race calendar but I don't know if it's going to be back to the same levels of Mercedes dominance that we did have because like I said this Red Bull package looks really strong I'm hoping that we get a few more victories from them this year, which seems like a crazy thing to say when, you know, we've just come off the back of having all of this Mercedes dominance. But the more people that can be at the front and fighting for wins, the better. Alpine as well. I don't know. I feel like they had a bit of um, an anonymous test. Like there were no real big headlines from them. They kind of just got the heads down and did the work. And I actually was lucky enough to go to the Alpine launch which was amazing. My first ever F1 launch. I've ticked it off the bucket list. It was a super cool experience. A lot of standing up. And I don't want to sound ungrateful because it was such a cool opportunity. But oh my gosh, my legs were like dying at the end of that. Um, I had like, it's my own fault, but I had like these heel boots on and oh my gosh, my feet were in agony. But anyway, it was a really cool experience. And I'm really grateful to Alpine for, for letting me go to that. But do you know what? props to their marketing department because I left that launch and was like yeah Alpine are gonna challenge for third in the constructors championships this year I really feel it I've got the vibes 
Um, and then I saw them on track and obviously compare it to everybody else. And I was like, oh, maybe that was a little bit optimistic. But I am buzzing to see how Esteban and Pierre get on together at Alpine. Obviously, they didn't get on together when they were younger. And that is a storyline which has been overused and brought up again and again and again. And I know we need to find a new angle to tackle, but uh, it's going to be really cool to see them going head to head on track. If you think about how spicy it was like in Saudi last year with Esteban and Fernando, I want that level of drama from those two otherwise I'm going to be seriously disappointed also not forgetting that Pierre Gasly still has a lot of penalty points on his license and the first ones don't leave until May so he's going to have to be quite careful um, and keep himself out of trouble but I am kind of interested to see how the FIA handle it if something happens and Pierre does get caught up in a tangle and causes a collision and he gets the two penalty points or whatever which would take him to a ban how the FIA are going to handle that because they're going to be in a real moral dilemma of being like right do we stick with our rules and regulations and actually ban him for a race which since the penalty point system was introduced has never happened a driver has never been banned in Formula One. It's happened in other championships. It's happened in F2, I think, two or three times last year. But it's not happened in Formula One yet. Are they going to sort of, like, retract their thing and be like, actually, we are going to kind of not take seriously, you know, A, B and C that he got points for? And I don't know. It's going to be super interesting of what happens when that time might come. We'll have to wait and see. But I want to see how Pierre gets on this year with Alpine. Obviously, first sort of year in Formula One out of that Red Bull bubble. Hopefully, he's enjoying the freedom. But yes, Alpine. Alpine, I, that's the one that I'm the most confused about where they're going to finish this year. Alpha Tauri, um, another one which I've seen a lot of people say that they think that Yuki's going to absolutely wipe the floor with Nick de Vries. This is the one, I think, I'm going to put this out into the open, probably a big mistake, but I think the Yuki and Nick pairing is going to be the closest in terms of points, like the driver battle this year. I am not going to underestimate Nick DeVries like I think a lot of people are doing. He is a Formula E champion. He's an F2 champion. He has got a really good endurance record. And the guy is quick. And he's also insanely talented. So I think also by being 27, I think he's 27, 28. I think he's about my age. That also comes with a lot of maturity. And although Yuki's obviously young, I think he's also quite immature in the way that he is generally, even for his age. And I think that perhaps that maturity is going to help Nick a little bit. The experience that he's got working with so many different teams across so many different disciplines, I think is going to be a massive benefit to him um, in terms of bringing like that knowledge and the terminology and things to his Formula 1 experience experience it's not like he's just been in go-karts his whole life and jumping into Formula One so I've got a good feeling about Nick DeVries and Alpha Tari. the team as a whole I've got really not good feelings about I feel like it's going to be another case of ninth or tenth this year I think that Nick and Yuki are going to be closest if I had to pick one that I think would finish ahead I'm do you know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna say I think Nick's gonna finish ahead of Yuki this year that's my that's my bold prediction for I don't know if it's a bold prediction actually but that's my a, a prediction for this podcast so there we go I just had to count on my hands if I'd mentioned all the teams and you know what I'm probably going to be editing this and be like oh my gosh I can't believe I actually forgot so and so existed but my last talking point kind of mentioned Alex Albin a little bit earlier but is Williams uh I don't know there are talks that Alex could be fighting more in the midfield this year which would be really good for Logan Sargent I think we've just got to be generous with him okay this is going to be a big learning curve and he's also in a car that is not maybe going to be putting him into really big headline positions who knows I've got a feeling I'm good you know what now on the theme of 
of predictions. I'm going to make another prediction. And I think that he's going to score points at at least one US Grand Prix this year. So whether that's Miami, whether that's at Cota, whether that's at Vegas, I've got a good feeling about Logan Sargent and maybe scoring some points at a race like that. But unfortunately, I feel like Logan is going to be that sort of designated 20th place position. More than happy to be proved wrong. And I am really keen to see how he gets on. Obviously, the first American in the sport since Alexander Rossi in, I think, like 2015. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And that poor man's, like, list of media duties when it comes to those US Grand Prix. Whew. I would not like to be him. He is going to be the people's favourite when it comes to um, appearing on talk shows, when it's in America and everything. He's going to be everywhere. Really wish him the best of luck, as I do with all the rest of the rookies for this season, because Formula One is not an easy championship to be part of. um, And sometimes it can really make or break a person. So... I'm hoping and sending positive vibes their way. But there is my very unorganised, chaotic preview of the 2023 Formula One season. When I record these podcasts, as you will be able to tell, I literally have no script, no sort of notes to make. I'm just rambling on in the hopes that it kind of is a bit more personable and not as structured. Like I said, I'm keen to stay away from it being a super high production, big, super duper professional thing. I would much rather it be like a voice note sent from me to you. Obviously, an outrageously long voice note. I think if I sent anybody a 25 minute voice note, they'd literally block me on WhatsApp. But hopefully that you've enjoyed this second episode and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this podcast kind of goes along. I, do you know what? I was watching an episode of The Office recently, my favourite TV show. I think I'm probably re-watching it for the 19th time. And there was a, a quote from Michael Scott and he said, sometimes I will start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. And I honestly feel like that's just the vibe for this podcast. You know, I literally, I, I'll say something, I'll open my mouth and I literally have no idea what's going to come out of it. But that's part of the fun of it. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode don't forget to give it five stars if you're listening to on, on apple podcast to subscribe uh, you know all of these things that you can do now with these podcast platforms that basically show me that you're enjoying them that would be amazing uh thanks again and hopefully i will speak to you before we have five lights go out for the Bahrain grand prix this sunday this has been the small talk podcast my name is katie fairman this is me signing off goodbye